0: Welcome, everybody, to Grace this weekend, and welcome, everybody, watching online and at our live sites. Thanks for being here as well. It's been a great week, and uh, it's been incredible, just the the outpouring of uh, support and commitment to the the vision of Grace into these next three years, and we're excited about it. And uh, as we were kind of laying that out, we were in this series, All In, All Out, and uh, that series was about that. And as we talked about that vision, uh, we said in order to accomplish that, we're gonna have to kind of be intentional about it. You know, when you talk about uh, needing money and raising money, your family's probably like mine, as we're praying about that, asking God about it, we're looking for God's kind of what he lays on our heart, then we're gonna go to the budget a little bit. And we're gonna say, okay, this is what we feel like we should commit, and this is how we're gonna do that. We're gonna kind of do that and monthly payments, so to say, and we're gonna work it into our budget with an intentionality to bring that to, to bear. So the goal over the next three years then is that now $8.5 million will be brought to bear so that these resources can be pursued and we can use them uh, to affect people for the kingdom of God. In this whole process, we said that there, there's kind of two goals. One is, one is a, a financial goal as we pray and as we make a corporate vision personal as we decide to give and we're tied in we would look 3 years from now and say if we hit that financial goal that's a that's an achievement the other part of this was an evangelistic goal and we said in, in addition to that we're asking that god would allow a, a minimum of 1000 people to accept him as their savior over the next three years. And to that end, we're praying that God would open up that door. So as we kind of finish up the all in, all out conversation, we're shifting now to this new series, Heartbeats and Habits of Jesus. What we're asking is this, if we took the same intentionality that we would bring finances forward with and applied it to evangelism, if we said, I have a corporate goal that's a personal goal, and I'm going to take that same organization and lay that out over the next three years, what would God do with it? When when we're making a financial commitment, at least in my family, we're going to say, here's what we believe God wants us to give, and then we're going to reverse engineer that and break it down. If I'm making an evangelistic prayer and saying, my prayer is really that my three accept Christ the next few years, If I reverse engineered that, what would I do? What kind of habits and heartbeats would I put in place? What would I put on my schedule? What would I put on my calendar? What kind of daily habits might I put in place so that God may give an answer to that goal as well? And so that's what we wanna explore for the next few weeks. We kinda got you equipped and ready for the financial part of it. Now we wanna get you equipped and ready for the evangelistic part of it, and say, how would we imply intentionality to that, even as we move forward with it, okay? So we're gonna talk about the heartbeats and habits of Jesus, and we're gonna start with evangelism. Now, I I just watched it happen. Whenever I say we're gonna talk about evangelism, I watch the whole room stiffen up. And a lot of you are like, oh man, I wish you'd just keep talking about money, or politics, or sex, or something. But it, it doesn't have to be evangelism, right? Because we, we stiffen up a little bit and we're not sure that we want to have that, that conversation. So what I want to do this weekend is this. I want to lay down a foundation <clears throat> about what evangelism is and what it isn't. And what we at Grace Church would say, we see the Bible teaching us how to approach evangelism. So I want to lay that down. I'm going to put down that foundation, that definition. Then I'm going to give you six quick things that that uh, of how to live this out. And then over the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to peel those, those aspects of it kind of back and, and dig deeper into it so that by the end of this series, you have in your heart and in your head the, the idea that, no, I can actually do what, what God would, would have me to do, okay? So let's start by just what is evangelism? What does that even mean? So I wrote a definition. This is my definition. It's not, out, it's not a Bible verse. Although I think it reflects the the truth of scripture. But here it is. This is how I defined evangelism. I said this, evangelism is the intentional effort to communicate the love and the truth of Jesus to another who does not yet understand the ramification of their sin or the hope of salvation. So evangelism, there's some important words in here. Evangelism is the intentional effort to communicate. So evangelism is not just living the Christian life. It's not just being nice. It's not just being kind. It's not your neighbors knowing that you go to Grace Church. It's not that at all. Nor is it um, politics, Christian subculture, that kind of stuff. It's an intentional effort. I'm going to schedule it, so to say. I'm going to make it a goal and a point. It's an intentional effort to communicate the ramifications of sin, most people don't know that, and the hope of salvation. So here at Grace, we would look and say, this is what the Bible would teach. The Bible would say things like this. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have done that. God is perfect, and perfection and imperfection cannot coexist with each other. Our sin makes us imperfect. So someone might say, well, but I'm a good person. And I would say, I'm sure that you are. I, I'm sure that you are. But are you a perfect person? It's different, right? Are you a sinner? So let's just take a quick survey real quick. How many of you have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. <clears throat> How many of you have ever cheated? Raise your hand. How many of you have ever sold something? Raise your hand. Who's had a lustful thought? You're all lying right now. Raise your hands and do it on the internet too, right? So you you've had a lustful thought. So you just broke. You just admitted you broke four of the Ten Commandments. So n- nobody thinks they're perfect, right? Here's the problem. We'll, we'll kind of quickly come to that conclusion. We know that about ourselves. Here's the problem. The Bible says not only am I perfect, but I'm willfully imperfect. How many of you ever, you don't have to raise your hand now, how many of you ever told a lie on purpose? How many of you have ever had a lustful thoughts on purpose? You went and looked up the porn online. How many of you ever stolen a on purpose? Suddenly, God would say, not only are you imperfect, but you're willfully rebelling against what you know I want and desire from you. All. Everybody has done that. Now, here's where it gets super serious. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of God's perfection. That sin separates me from God because what is perfect cannot coexist with what is imperfect. I can't be near God because of my imperfection. And the wages of sin, wages is what we earn for what we do. The wages of sin is death. Spiritual death, separation from God eternally in hell. Well, now, most people don't know that. They, they would say, well, but I'm a good person. I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. That's that's not the question. Are you a sinner? And does that sin separate you from God? And do you do that on purpose? Right? Do you do that on purpose? So the Bible says that means I'm an enemy of God in my heart and I'm dead in my trespasses and sin. That's the ramifications of sin. Now, thankfully, there's also the hope of salvation. So the good news is this, God isn't out to get you, he's out to save you. So God loves you so much that he gave his son Jesus. Jesus stepped out of heaven, he came to earth, Being fully God and fully man, he lived on earth and he never sinned. As someone who is a sinless person then, he gave his life. Jesus laid his life down like a marine that would jump on a grenade, like a firefighter that would run into a a burning building, like a police officer that would run toward gunfire, not away from it. He gave his life. He died for you and I. By his own power, he raised himself from the dead, and in doing that, he defeated sin and death once for all. He created forgiveness for us so that as a sinner, if I confess my sins, Christ is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. When I accept Jesus' salvation, He gives me what the Bible calls his righteousness. I'll call it his perfection. It's not that I become perfect. It's that my imperfections are covered by the forgiveness, the grace, and the perfection of Christ. And so it's through Jesus that I'm able to interact again with a perfect God. Evangelism is the intentional effort to communicate that. People need to know that I needed to know that if you're a Christ follower, you needed to know that I don't need to just know about my sin And I don't need to just know about God's love. I need to know all of it the whole story and evangelism is simply you and I on purpose Trying to communicate that full story of love to people who don't know it yet in fact that's all through the Bible. The Bible would say, if you are a Christ follower, this becomes your primary thing in life. So Jesus gives what's called the Great Commission. He says to his followers, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. And uh, later on uh, in, in a different book of the Bible, Acts chapter one, verse eight, he says to his followers, you will be my witnesses and you will be that in Judea, Samaria and in Jerusalem, the other most parts of the earth. You're, you're to go tell people about that. A different part of the Bible, he uses a metaphor. He says, you're going to be like salt and light so that people can know how to follow me. The apostle Paul says, if you're a Christ follower, you're an ambassador of Jesus Christ, ambassador of reconciliation, as if Christ himself were making his appeal through you. Paul also tells Timothy this, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says specifically, and and clearly he says, do the work of an evangelist. That part of me being a follower of Jesus Christ is that I do this work. I make this a habit. I make this part of my heartbeat. And as a Christ follower, I am called to do that. I let other people know about the love that they have given to me. And right about there is where we tense up. Because if you you know the Bible at all and if you read it, even on a cursory level, the, the big stuff right off the top, what you're going to find is evangelism. It is inescapable. And if you say, it, does it apply to me? What you're going to find are passages like this. Yes, it applies to you. That as a Christ follower, I am to do the work of an evangelist. Now, this is what's fascinating. People don't like this. And by the way, if you don't like it or you're nervous about it, you're not alone. There was a recent survey by a group called the Barna Group, and they found that 50, about 50% of millennials who are Christ followers think that evangelism is offensive. It's offensive that you would communicate your beliefs to someone else. Now, before you get all judgy on millennials, which is a pet peeve of mine, because we all judge them because they do what we do, they just do it differently. The survey goes on and says this, 90%, 90% of people who consider themselves to be Christ followers have either a fear of evangelism or, or are completely indifferent to it. Grace Church is very weird. We're very weird because on average every 31 hours someone accepts Jesus at Grace Church. That's, that makes us really, really weird. The national stats are this. The national stats would say this. On average, the number of conversions in a church. Conversion is just somebody who fought, becomes a follower of Jesus. On average, the number of conversions per year in a local church in North America is zero. Zero. So there's this whole big chunk of the Bible that is crystal clear. I mean, we're not like looking under rocks and making stuff up here. It's right there on top. That on average, the followers of Jesus Christ are saying, I'm out on that. I am just not doing that. No way, no how, right? And if you feel that way, then you're actually pretty normal. And now this is what I find most of the time when we talk about evangelism and I show everybody this and it's, it's right there, it's kind of inarguable. What I find is this, it's not that people are ashamed of Jesus. It's that they're embarrassed by the methods of which they've seen evangelism done. So usually when you think about evangelism, you think about like, there's this, it's a sales call, right? I'm ringing the doorbell Hi, I'm Jeff, would you like to know about your eternal soul, <clears throat> right? No, what about buying these knives? No, what about this sweeper? No, what about signing up for a magazine subscription? No, right? So we, we tend to think about that stuff. I don't like that stuff either. I have people ring my doorbell, I hate it, right? I have a 200 pound dog and I'm like, kill, right? And and he just kinda lays there and drools, but the, the theory is really awesome, right? So like, I hate that that too when that happens. Uh, you see on, on in media, social media and TV and stuff like that, you'll see people who are, they got signs. You see them here in town. They're walking up and down 18 and they got cardboard signs and they're telling you you're going to go to hell. And they're yelling at people that have no idea what they're talking about. So often when we think about evangelism, we think about the methods and we cringe and we're like, I don't want to go do that, Right? Well, we're not talking about that, but we are talking about intentionally making an effort to communicate what we know about Christ. I was, I was uh, on a college campus a few years ago, and I gave a, a, a talk kind of like this, and a, a girl came up to me, super sharp, smart girl. She asked a, a really logical question. She said, she said uh, uh, Pastor Jeff, she said, I don't think it's right to impose my beliefs on someone else. And when you talk about evangelism, it seems like you're saying that I'm supposed to impose my beliefs on someone else. She goes, I just don't think that's right. And I said to her, I agree with you. I don't think it's right to impose your beliefs on someone else. She's like, oh, that's a relief, because I think about the Crusades and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, the Crusades was not evangelism, it was nationalism. I don't think that either. That's no different than what ISIS is doing. And so I'm like, I, yeah, I, I don't, I, that's not That's not in the Bible. Nobody has said that you should accept Christ at the point of a sword. That's not evangelism. She goes, oh, that's awesome. She goes, because I just don't believe that, like when you say, when you say that it's your opinion that Jesus is the only way to heaven, she goes, I just don't think I agree with your opinion. I think there's lots of good ways to heaven. And she goes, I just don't agree with your opinion. I said, well, that's different. Because Jesus being the only way to heaven is not my opinion. That's what Jesus said. I'm not telling you what I said, and I'm not telling you what our church says. I'm literally just quoting Jesus so you're not disagreeing with me, because my life would be a lot easier if there was a bunch of ways to heaven. You're not disagreeing with me. You're actually disagreeing with Jesus, and that's kind of a different conversation, now, the the verse she was talking about is this one, John 14, 6. Jesus answered, Jesus answered, Jesus answered, not Jeff. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When you take that and you push it back into Greek, which it was originally written in, if you were listening to Jesus say this, it would sound to us like this. Jesus answered, I am the way. There is not another way. I am the way, singular, exclusive. I am the truth. There is no other truth. There are other things that reflect my truth, but I am the only truth. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There is no other way to have eternal life except through me. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And as I was talking to my friend, I was like, see, this is this is Jesus. This isn't Jeff. Now, here's where this gets tricky for all of us. If you are a Christ follower, if you've said, I've accepted the forgiveness of my sins, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, you, by faith, have accepted this statement. You have looked and said, Jesus, I believe that you are the way. Salvation is found in you alone. I believe that you are the life. I believe you are the the truth and the life. There, There is one God and you are he. So I believe that Jesus is God I cannot go to the Father. I cannot go to heaven unless I go through Jesus. Therefore, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins and give me the eternal life and the life to the fullest that you have promised me because I believe that you are God. Ready? This is where it gets tricky. This is gonna sound ouchy, so just hang with me here. I love you. Ready? If you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, you have accepted this. Ready? Ready? If you have not accepted this, you have not accepted Jesus. This is his claim, not mine. This is his claim, not the church's. So if I look and say, well, I mean, Jesus is one of, Jesus, if he was here, he'd look and say, nope, I'm the well, we need to coexist, we all need to go. No, no, we don't, I mean, I'm it. Well, there are many paths to God. No, no one, except through me. And when you start talking about evangelism, this becomes critical. Because if, if I'm a Christ follower and I have come to this belief, and I've said, no, I, I, I have encountered the way I have received and understood and accepted the truth. I have, I have received the life, right? If I believe that, and by the way, I do, I'm looking at him saying, no, 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 you gotta understand, I, I, I have found it, and, and he has found me, and I accept this. My life is given to this because Jesus is God. He's the way, and so I'm gonna, I listen to him. He, I conform to him, he doesn't conform to me. I yield to him, he doesn't yield to me. I serve him, he doesn't serve me. He's God, he's the way. And he's the life. Ready? I would say this. I have literally... I have literally staked my eternal soul on the belief that Jesus Christ is the only path to heaven. If the Muslims are right, I'm going to hell. If the, if the Buddhists are right, I'm, I'll be like a, reincarnated like a cat or something horrible. Right? So I, I have literally, I've literally said, no, there is a way... There is the truth, there is the life. And I have said my eternal soul is hitched to that wagon. Now, ready? If I believe that, and I've discovered that, and I love you, If, if I believe that without Christ, my soul is forever damned in hell, but I found Christ so my soul is forever rescued, and I love you, how do I not communicate that? I'm not I'm not trying to win a political argument I'm not imposing I'm not gonna I'm not saying you're gonna get arrested if you don't I'm not imposing anything I'm not sales pitching something how how could, if I believe something this profound and you never know that about me how how is that not hateful if I believe that you're going to Go to hell without this truth. And I found it, but I'm not telling you. At the very, very heart of evangelism, evangelism is not just proselytizing. It's not, hey, people come to our group instead of going to that group. That's not, that's not evangelism. Evangelism is not Christian subculture stuff. You ought to think this way and vote this way and wear your hair this way. That's not evangelism. Evangelism is not knock your sin off. Stop doing that. Follow Jesus. It's not evangelism. It's not straighten your life out stuff. Evangelism, ready? At its very, very core is love. I believe that Christ rescued my soul and I love you. And I. I want you to know that. I believe that I found like the purpose, the meaning, the joy, the hope of life. I believe all that. And I want you, you're my friend. I want you to know that. Guys, if you figure out a way to lose 20 pounds, you can't shut up about that on Twitter for a month. But you find the meaning of life and salvation for your soul Now, God says, this is all motivated by love. So Paul says it this way, 2 Corinthians. He says, for Christ's love compels us. It's love. It's not not a competition. It's love. Christ's love compels us because we're convinced. We've accepted. We're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. I've accepted that Christ is God. And so the love His love, his act of love for me on the cross compels me to love other people. Because I'm convinced that one died and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for the one who died for them and was raised again. I'm convinced that Christ loves me. I'm convinced that he is who he says he is. I'm convinced he's changed my life and saved my soul. So now I live my life for the one who gave his life for me. And I want to be like Jesus. I want to act like, talk like, think like, be motivated the way that he's motivated. And what were the two most important things to Jesus? Loving his father and loving the lost. I'm going to love God with all my heart, soul, and mind strength. And I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. How did I love myself? Well, I found the purpose of life and I got my soul saved. I'm compelled by that. I'm not trying to accomplish anything. I just look and say, I, I've accepted the love of God and I want you to accept the love that I've accepted. You've gotta know about it. Later on in the Bible, or actually earlier in the Bible, Peter and John are, are talking to folks, they're, they're talking to people in Jerusalem right after Jesus went back to heaven and they get in trouble for it. And, and the courts and the religious authorities come to them and they say, you better shut up. Like, if you don't knock it off, we're gonna beat you. We're gonna put you in jail. We're gonna cut your head off. Like, you have got to knock it off. And Peter and John look at these authorities and they say, we can't because salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. How can we shut up about it? What we have found, we who are we, as a friend, as a family member, basic human decency would say, I can't be quiet about that. I've got to tell you, it, I believe that their souls are at stake and I believe that I have found the answer, the way, the truth, the life. The, the courts, they kinda go and they have a little conference, they come back out again and they talk to them some more. When they come back out, they called them in again and they commanded them commanded them to not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus knock it off you had better shut up and Peter looks at them and John and they replied to them which is right in God's eyes so listen to you or to him you be the judges as for us we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and we have heard how am I supposed to shut up about this I I have discovered truth. How am I supposed to be quiet about it? I've discovered the way. I've discovered life. And I love you. And Christ's love compels me. And if I love you, how can I not tell you about what God has done for me? Evangelism is the intentional effort to communicate that, right? I'm on purpose. It's not life improvement tips. It's not let's all be nice to each other. Some of those things are fine, but it's more than that. An intentional effort to communicate that you're in trouble and you don't know it And there's a savior who came to rescue you and you don't know it, but I know it. And I love you enough to tell you about that. Do the work of an evangelist, okay? Now, what does that work look like? And this is actually, I think, where we get hung up. Because you can't... if, you, if you're at all receptive to the Bible, you can't argue this stuff. I mean, it's right there. I am not searching for this. It's right there on top, right? So if if I'm willing to accept that, the question becomes how? What does that look like? And that's usually where we get really, really nervous. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you six quick things And then we're gonna unpack these ideas over the next few weeks, okay? But this is, when we talk about doing the work of an evangelist here at Grace, as we look at the Bible, we would look at these things and say, nah, it doesn't look like yelling at people or sales pitches, it looks more like this, okay? So if I'm gonna do the work of an evangelist, what's the first thing I need to dial in? We would say this, when doing the work of an evangelist, be like Christ. Be like Christ. Well, what was Christ like? When Jesus was interacting with sinners, when he was interacting with people who did not know who he was, he he interacted with them in some very specific ways. For instance, he was gentle and respectful to them. He had compassion on them. When you see Jesus really honked off about something, he is honked off at self-righteous people who are teaching a false gospel. When you see him interacting with someone who is, the Bible uses the word ignorant, which means they're just devoid of information. When you see him interacting with like the woman at the well or somebody like that, he has a gentleness and a respect because he realizes they just don't know. So when I'm doing the work of an evangelist, I'm doing that with gentleness and respect. I'm doing it with compassion. The Bible says when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. People's sinful behavior makes sense if you pull God out of the equation. Why is that, why, why are they sleeping with everybody? Well, they're looking for love and they think it they, they're they looking for affection. It makes sense that they would do that. Why, why is that guy addicted to that? Well, hes he's got pain in his life, he's self-medicating. It makes sense that they would do that. Jesus would look at someone and, who had no knowledge of him and he had compassion on them. And he said, what they need is help and leadership. They need to be communicated with. And you do that with a gentleness and respect. He also did that in the context of relationships. One of the biggest knocks that the self-righteous people had on Jesus was that he was a friend of sinners. He was friends with tax collectors who were known for ripping everybody off and wasting their money. He was friends with prostitutes. He would welcome them into his presence. So this idea, like, I gotta get my life squared away or the church will burn down if I walk into it, that's not in the Bible anywhere. Jesus would be like, the more messed up you are, the more likely you are to get invited to dinner. I'm a friend of those people. I welcome them into my presence. Now, he would always tell them the truth. I I am the the, the well of life. I am the solution. Here's what's going on in your life. You You need to repent of your sins and go and sin no more. But because they were loved, because it was a conversation, because it was through the context of compassion relationship. So nowhere do you have like stand on the street corner and yell at strangers, right? So when you think about... Doing the work of an evangelist, think about it in the context of that. And I'm gonna, first of all, I'm just gonna kind of mimic what Jesus did. Here's the second thing that we would say. When you're doing, the, doing evangelism, think of this. Think of doing the work of an evangelists, And when you do that, make it about a person, not about an issue. Make it about a person, not about an issue. One of the most destructive things that's happened in the church of Jesus Christ in North America is we have blended politics and morality And both sides will claim Jesus. This side over here will say, well, Jesus would never. And this side over here will say that Jesus would never. And the fact of the matter is that if Jesus actually came and actually ran for office in North America, he wouldn't be elected and it would be a bunch of Christians that didn't vote for him. He is his own thing. He is the truth. So when I'm interacting with people, I want to interact about their souls, not their politics or their worldview. The Church of Jesus Christ is not called to save a country. We're called to build a kingdom And the scripture is very, very clear that when I accept Christ as my savior, my citizenship shifts and I become a citizen of heaven. And it's the values of the kingdom of God that are to define and drive my life, not the values of the culture that I exist in. When I start arguing over causes and issues, I forfeit my position to communicate the kingdom of God in the heart of Jesus. You yeah, have political opinions, have them all you want. It's free country, vote the way you want. I do. But when I'm interacting with a person, I'm gonna interact with them about their soul, not their thinking or their positions on culture. And if they respond to Jesus and receive the forgiveness of their sins and they're indwelt by the Holy Spirit and come re- become receptive to the word of God, God will transform their thinking. I don't need to do that. The primary issue isn't what they think or what they do. The primary issue is the position of their soul. So the gospel travels that way. It travels from person to person to person. It doesn't travel through causes. This is why you don't do evangelism in social media. It doesn't travel through politics, it doesn't travel through worldview. It travels by relationship to relationship to relationship and God will transform a person's thinking into godly thinking, which is kingdom of heaven thinking. So evangelism is not the persuasion of worldview or politic or behavior. Evangelism is the engagement of someone's eternal state and the ramifications of their sin and the ramifications of the hope and the love of salvation. Okay. We would also say this when I'm thinking about doing the work of evangelism, think I'm gonna be like Christ, thinking about a person, not an issue or a cause. And then we would say this we need to pray for a no brainer moment. We need to pray for a no brainer moment, okay? Here's your tattoo for the weekend, ready? You want to get this one right in here, right? So this is your tattoo for the weekend, ready? Here it is. It is not your job to get someone to accept Christ as their savior. It's also not my job to convict, to convict you of sin. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. My job is is to be ready to answer your questions when you ask them as God works in your heart. My job is to communicate the heart and the mind of God. So my job is not to bludgeon you. My job is not to yell at you. I had somebody the other day say to me, Jeff, you're so weird. You talk when you, when you preach. You just talk. I'm like, right. He goes, why do, you, why do you just talk? Why don't you like raise your voice and yell? And I said, because we're all adults and I think everybody understands what I'm saying. <laughs> it's not my job to yell at you. I just show you what God's word says. It's not my job to convict you of sin. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's not my job to get you to accept Christ. That's the Holy Spirit's job. All I do is answer the question. And when you start praying for people, God loves that prayer. And I would encourage you to pray for a no-brainer moment. You start praying for a person by name regularly, you might be shocked. You might be shocked when somewhere along the course of your relationship with with them, they look at you and ask some version of the question of why do you believe that? How did you change? Why is your guys' relationship different? Right? And when they ask you, you give them an answer. And we call that a no-brainer moment. It's It's not a sales pitch. You don't have to be obnoxious. You don't have to hound people. You love them. And when God works in their heart and they're receptive to what God's doing, they'll ask you a question and then you just answer it. Okay. We want to be like Christ, right? We, we want to make it about a person. We want to pray for a no-brainer moment. And then we would also say this at Grace, you want to do good deeds. The Bible is fascinating because it says this, it says, faith without works is dead and work without faith is dead, so good deeds and faith always go together with each other. And one of the ways that we can evangelize or communicate the open love of Jesus is by doing good deeds. I had a fascinating thing happen the other day. I was getting a uh my suit altered because I my our son's getting married in a couple of weeks and I, I I bulked up basically. <laughs> and so in this so I kind of balked up, and so I was getting my my suit altered, and uh, the 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 lady that was doing it, I was in her her clothing store. She goes to Grace, we're old friends, and and so she's doing all this. So she knew about all in all out, and and uh, we had made the announcement and and talked about you know the the eight point five million dollars. so She's like that's so exciting and it's incredible, and then to blow your mind. So we're sitting there talking about all of that. And uh, a person that works with her um, was measuring my suit and kind of looked at her like with a question mark. And so she started to tell him about all in, all out. Oh, our church. And they, they wanted to reach these kids and adults through sports and the church planning the opioids. She's just going all 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 you know all on and about this whole thing. And so he's looking at us. And so he finally, she said something about I'm the pastor there and this and that. And he finally looked at me and he, he goes, he goes, So what do the people get out of it? And I said, well, nothing. (laughs) And he said, what do you mean nothing? I said, well, they don't really get anything. We didn't sell bonds, you know, that we're going to pay a dividend on. I said, they just gave. They don't really get anything out of it. And he said, so they just gave that money. I said, yeah, I mean, pretty much. Just to help these people that they don't know. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much what happened. He goes, Man, that's what he said. He goes, he goes, I I, I need to go check your church out. See, it's mind-boggling. Why why would you do that? Well it becomes a platform for evangelism. Why are you helping me? Why are you shoveling my driveway right now? Why why are you not, and, and and you answer the question? You're not you're it's not you're not buying them off but you're you're from the genuineness of your heart I was like I don't, I don't know it's what Christ did God's generous and I told him that why would they do that well we believe God's been generous to us and and he came and helped a bunch of people he didn't know so to say and we're just kind of trying to be like that huh I' to go to your church sometimes I was like yes you ought to right okay. so we do good deeds now here's the thing. Faith without works is dead, and work without faith is dead. So we would add this to it as a number five. Do good deeds, and then we would say, but cross the line. Being nice is not evangelism. Being kind is not evangelism. Being generous is not evangelism. That's just being a Christian. In fact, you don't even have to be a Christian to do that. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in predominantly Muslim countries and and have a bunch of friends that are Muslim. Been in their home. They are kind, generous, fun, interested, wonderful people. They don't proclaim the name of Jesus. So in in all of this, there is a intentional effort to communicate, right? We've got the nicest neighbors, that's great, it's a great platform. Move it. They go, they're always gone. Every, every Saturday night or Sunday morning, they're always, are they're, they're on their phone. Right, yeah, communicate it. I heard your churches do it, and that's really, really neat. Well, communicate why. Let's see? So evangelism is crossing that line and intentionally making the effort to communicate the ramifications of sin and the hope of Jesus. And here's the last thing. This is number six is what we say. And I think this is the hardest and the most important. Ready? See the harvest. So what Jesus said to his disciples, he said, look, look, look into the harvest field. Okay. I really believe one of the reasons why the people of God struggle with evangelism is we don't see the harvest. Now here's the bottom line. Every human being Every human being has an eternal destiny. And the Bible says that it's clear. They will either go to heaven or they will go to hell. The Bible makes no other options. There is no reincarnation. There is no nirvana. There is no the computer shuts off and lays in the ground for the rest of time. The Bible is crystal clear that as human beings we are eternal And our souls are with the Lord or they're separated. If I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The tent, the Bible calls it. This earthly dwelling will die, but I won't. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. The inverse holds true. To be absent from the body without knowing Christ is to be separated from God in hell eternally. That's why today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Jesus looks at his followers and he says, Guys, you gotta see that. You gotta do that math. Your, your, your waitress at Rockne's this afternoon, she has a soul. That that kid that messed your order up at Taco Bell, they have a soul. That friend at the gym or at work or on the football field, where, they have a soul. And the reason that you're in their life is is because Christ loves them so much that he put someone in their life that loves him so they could tell them that he loves them. And that friend that you love, if you actually believe that Jesus is the only way, that person that you love, you're gonna seek to communicate that and gentleness, respect, compassion, all the things we just talked about. Even basic human dignity. If you're a human being that God loves, that he gave his son for, I want you to know that. I want to do the work of an evangelist. Now whenever I give a talk like this at, at Grace or wherever, inevitably this is what happens. Somebody will catch me and they'll say, Jeff, I'm not like you. I don't have the gift of evangelism. You, talk, you lead people to Christ all the time and, and I'm not like that, Jeff. I don't have the gift of evangelism. And let me say this to you very clearly, neither do I. I don't have the gift of evangelism. I have spoken in arenas and stadiums all over the world and never once ever have I given an invitation to accept Christ and had the aisles flooded with people accepting Jesus. I do not have the gift of evangelism. Ready? What I have is the habit of evangelism. I have the heartbeat and the habit. I make it a habit to try to learn where people stand in their relationship with Christ. I'll give you an example of this, right? Heidi left me. She took the kids. She left me. She's in Florida right now, soaking up sunshine. And she left me here to be with you. So those are marriage issues. We'll deal with that in another series, okay? (laughs) So she left me with the children and this afternoon I'm going to hop on an airplane and I'm going to fly down and meet my family for spring break and hang out at Heidi's brother's house. Okay. So I'm going to get on an airplane this afternoon. I get on airplanes a lot. And so I have a habit. I have a habit on airplanes. I'm going to, I'm going to sit down on the airplane. You guys responded so generously with it, with, with all in all out, but not enough to get me a private jet. So I have to, I have to fly commercial, I'm gonna get on Delta in coach, and I'm gonna fly down to Florida. Because I'm sitting in coach, I will have at least one person, maybe two, if I, didn't, if I got the middle seat, which is the worst thing. but if I, I'm gonna have people beside me. So here's my habit, this is an evangelistic habit. When I sit down on an airplane, somebody's gonna sit beside me, I'm gonna say hi to them, whoa. I'm gonna say hi to them, right? And I'm going to ask them this question. This is my little line. I'm going to say, you coming or going? We're leaving from Cleveland, so everybody's going, right? (laughs) Nobody came here on purpose, right? So we're going. So I'm going to say, you coming or going? And we'll see if they want to talk or not. Sometimes people want to talk, and when you get to talking with people, if they want to talk, 99% of the time, you find out what they do for a living. What do you do for a living? I'm a whatever. What do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. As soon as I say that I'm a pastor, what happens is they say some version of forgive me for confessing their sins, and I'm like, I'm a pastor. I'm not a priest. Usually, the wife and six kids gives that away, but whatever, right? So that I'm, So we'll start talking about these kind of things, or we won't. So there's a, there's a sign, there's a signal on airplanes. It's the international signal. It cuts across all cultures and all languages. The international signal on an airplane for I want to be left alone is what? You put your, your headphones on. And if they put your headphones on, it means leave me alone. So I'm gonna to talk to them, and if that conversation doesn't go anywhere, they will put their headphones on. And when they put their headphones on, guess what I'm gonna do? I'm going to put my headphones on and I'm going to watch aliens kill each other for the next 2 hours. <laughs> because God did not create a no-brainer moment. It's not it's not my job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. I just want to make a habit of being available. Now, I've led people to Christ on airplanes. That I met five minutes before we sat down. I, I've flown in from other countries. I've sp- I've literally spent all night talking to people about their faith. But God decided that was going to happen. Most of the time, I watch aliens kill each other. It's just a habit. I'm not an evangelist. I just put a habit in my life. Okay. This is what Peter is alluding to when he says this in first Peter three, he says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. That's the heartbeat. Jesus, you are the way, the truth the life. You are God. I am not, I am yours. I'm going to live for the one who died for me. That's my heartbeat. I, I'm here. I'm at your disposal, whatever you want to do. I'm in answers. Yes. Just tell me what to do. In your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer. That's that's getting equipped. That's a little bit of prep work. Always be prepared to give an answer. Ready? Here's the most important part. To everyone who asks you. Everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. It doesn't say revere Christ as Lord and drive people nuts. Be obnoxious. Hold up a sign. Say weird things. And don't even get me going on bumper stickers. It doesn't say post on social media. Always be prepared. Revere Christ Lord. God, I'm yours. I'm in. Just show me what. To give a reason for the hope that you have. When Asked. And I want, I want us to have a heartbeat. I love what Jesus loves. And I love who Jesus loves. And a habit. I'm going to sit down on that plane in a little bit. And I'm going to be prepared. And if somebody asks me, we'll talk. If they don't, I'm rooting for the transformers. And guys, it's that simple. And do it with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. Ready? But do it. Do the work of an evangelist. Do it. It's a non-option. But this is the way. This is the way that we would do that. It's love that motivates us, compels us, right? And it's the model of Christ. And I'm just ready, that's, that's the deal. I'm just ready. And when God has prepared someone that I know and love or that he has brought into my life in a, a providential way, when they ask me, I will actually answer the question, right? And then, and then the rest of it's kind of up to God sense? All right. I'm going to pray for us and kind of wind our time down. And as I pray, and then even as we worship a little bit, I encourage you start, pray for your three, pray that God will allow you to see the harvest, pray for your fears and anxiety, all those kind of things. And let's, uh, let's, let's start to get ready for, for this phase of of the vision that God has called us to together, okay? Jesus, love you, help us with this. Thank you for entrusting us with it. God, help us to see people the way that you see them. It's so hard, we get busy and distracted and tired and look forward to downtime, all all of it, God, you know. So in your grace and through your compassion for us, stir in our hearts and let us just habitually see people, love people, open a door, and and to recognize, God, if you've done the same. So, Lord, as a congregation and as an individual, would would you motivate our heart to be like yours in this way? Do that even in these still moments, Jesus, in your name.